we're going to be talking about something. How many of you uh, speaking? Because we, we always do s'mores. Um, and when I say the word s'mores, does anyone think of a particular movie? Does anyone think of it? You could. I would, Toy Story is acceptable, but the correct answer tonight is, of course, Sandlot. So how many of you have seen the movie Sandlot? It's an iconic movie. Personally, I'm, I think it's a little overrated. But some iconic moments in the movie, particularly, just so you know, just to kind of you know, give you a reminder of the iconic moment. Let's just watch this very quick scene. Quick scene. Very short. Related to the s'mores. S'more what? No, no, you want a s'more. I haven't had anything yet. So how can I have some more of nothing? You're killing me, Smalls. That's it. If you've wondered, like when your dad says, you're killing me, Smalls, what's he talking about? That's where he's got it from. So, iconic movie about a bunch of kids a long time ago, and it centers about how, how much they love baseball. And they play baseball all the time. Um, but there's something we're going we're gonna to be talking about the church tonight related. This is still in the Alpha Course, talking about the basics of the Christian faith. We're talking about the church. And uh, something about the church relates to Sandlot. And here's, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll see it when I get there. So they play baseball and if they hit the ball too far, right, if they hit it over the, the, the sandlot into the home of what? What's the name of the dog? The beast. That's right, the beast. So there's this giant St. Bernard lives there. They're all afraid of it, and they can't go in because they're afraid of the dog called the beast. And so one day, uh, someone hits a home run. One of the kids hits a home run. The ball's lost. They don't have money to buy a new one. So this one kid goes, oh, that's fine. I'll just go grab this ball that my stepdad has. So he goes and he grabs it, and he hits that ball also into the beast's yard. But what they find out is that ball was not just any ball, right? What they find out is the ball that they used was once autographed by Babe Ruth, considered to be the greatest baseball player of all time. So, and here's, here's, here's why this is important, because the boy thought that the baseball his dad was saving was just another baseball. I was like, yeah, I'll just grab that, that old baseball he has lying around, right? Little did he know that he was sitting on a super valuable souvenir. And in the same way that the boy in the sandlot treated the Babe Ruth autographed ball with just a casual attitude, we can sometimes treat the church this same way. The church is, it's just, yeah, it's just church. It's just church. And Rather, I think it would be uh, more appropriate for us to treat the church as something quite significant, as something quite unique and special, and to be treated with respect and with care and treated differently than you would just sort of treat some other thing in your life. Um, sometimes for, for people, church is just something that, you know, especially if you're raised having it. I know when I was a kid going to church, there's a little bit of a chore. It's a little bit of a like, okay, it's time to go to church today. And honest to goodness, like the only time my mom really got mad at me was on the drive to church. And often it had to do with the fact that I didn't wear a belt. Like, has anyone ever had this fight with your parents? Like, especially guys in here. Is anybody like, like, my pants are not falling down. Why do you care if I have a belt on or not? Like, there's, there are no belt police. No one is checking on whether or not I'm wearing a belt. But she would get mad, we'd be late, and whatever. So we would, like, fight, and it was, it was you know, just a lot of uh, sort of 
tension and just anger, whatever. So, uh, but the older I got, I, I, I began to see the importance of church. And I began to have more value, sort of see more of the value in the church. And we're going to talk tonight about uh, the importance of what, what, what church means. And then you're going to have a chance in your small groups to talk more about it as well. So if we're going to see the church for its, its value, we need to know what it is. Um, so the word church can be used in a couple of different ways. It can be referred to what is called the universal church. So just like anybody who goes to any church, so in, in, and if you're a Christian, that would, re, that would sort of be anybody who uh, calls himself a Christian in any denomination, that would be. So and sometimes people... Talk about that. Well, the church is advancing, and you can, that can be in, you know, all around the world. Um, the, the church can also refer to a local church, and even that, in, within that, you can say, well, the church, I go to that church, I go to that church, and a lot of times we sort of just think about a church as a building. Well, what church do you go to, and that guy should go to that church, I don't like that church. It's all about a church building. But the reality is, when the Bible talks about the church, it, it has way more to do with the people that were there. Like it, it, for the first, you know, generations of followers of Jesus, there were no church buildings. It was just the gathered people together, meeting in homes, sometimes having to meet, you know, secretly in places where it was illegal to be a Christian. So a simple definition of, of what I will just call the local church is that it's the people of God getting together to do the work of God. It's just that simple. It's the people of God getting together, gathering to do the work of God. So uh, the first part of that is the people of God. Well, in the New Testament uh, of, the, of the Bible, the, first, the second half of the Bible, there, there are uh, metaphors used to describe what this people of God is like. And we're going to look at this one passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where the Apostle Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. He compares the church, so the people coming together, he describes them, compares them to the body of Christ. And he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, he says the body is a unit. Not this part, but I'll get to that in a minute. So he says the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So it's one, but, but there are many. Okay, and then we get to this passage. The body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So what this verse tells us is that though we are one, we make up one body. In the same way, this is just a perfect analogy. Though we are one, we are many. Many. Another way to say that, that there is unity in the church. So we all care about the same thing. We are gathered for the same purpose, but there's diversity in who we are. Just as in the human body, we are not all just one eye. And I love that he says uh, right here, if the whole body were an eye, and I just go, if the whole body were an eye, if the whole body 
or an eye, and I think, what would that look like? And I go, oh, I know exactly what it would look like. It would look like, uh, you know, I know what you're thinking. It's right there, because John's going to show it right there. He's going to get to it. John's going to, yeah, that's it. That's it. How many of you were thinking of that when he said, if the whole body were an eye? Mike Wazowski. Yeah, yeah. So, but prior to, you know, when that movie came out, we, we couldn't imagine it. But I just wonder, you know, the people that wrote Monsters, Inc., you know, they were like, oh, yeah, if the whole body were an eye, it would look like that. But even there, even there, look, he's got an eye, but he's also got many parts. So even Mike Wazowski is acting that out. So he's saying that there's no part of the body that's unimportant. Later on in that passage, he talks about the different gifts that he gives people. And it's, it's so beautiful, to be honest with you. It is so beautiful to look around at the church and see so many people's gifts being used to be a blessing to each other. So some people are really good at organizing. Some people are really good at singing and music. Some people are good at speaking. Some people are good at serving. We have all of these gifts and everyone comes together. We're, we're unified in who we are, but we are diverse in our interests. And we, that, that's honest to goodness is one of the things I love about Shig is because there's not just one kind of person in here, right? Like we are, if you've, if you've seen another amazing movie, um, I can only recommend the television version of this because of the excessive swearing involved. I can't, you know, recommend it officially. But The Breakfast Club, highly recommend, you know, just watch the TV version. You can watch it as a whole family. Breakfast Club, amazing movie, right? But it's this movie about all these different people. And in fact, this reminds me, I, I pulled up behind someone at a stoplight this week. How many of you even know what I'm talking about? The Breakfast Club, please, 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 just hope. Yeah, okay, great. I'm so happy. It was filmed in the Chicago area. Like, you guys need to see this movie, okay? Um, I pulled up behind someone at a stoplight. I didn't mean to talk about this, but now that I've said it, I have to talk about it. Literally, this is someone's car. Um, you can't see this, but like someone loves the breakfast club so much that they put a sticker on the back of their car that has the Judd Nelson character, this guy. Don't you forget. This guy? Okay. The outline of him, and then it says brain, athlete, basket case, princess, criminal, on their car. Like, that's so, that, that person loves the breakfast club. Like, you've got to be really, really in. That's, that's, a, that's like their personality. Like, that is their personality, the breakfast club. Is, so I don't like it that much. But you can look at this later if you want to. Like, obsessed with that movie, obviously. It's a great movie. But we at SHIG, we have all those different people. We are not a youth group of just people who are into sports or just people who are into music or just people who are into board games or just people who are into, you know, fantasy football, whatever. We bring together all sorts of different people from multiple schools with multiple interests, but we are united by our love for God. That's what brings us together. So we have this unity, even though we are, we're, we're all very, very different in who we are. And the Apostle Paul says, yes, and that's what makes the body so beautiful. Is there a diverse representation of people and gifts and kinds of people but we have this unity in our love for God. Sometimes it's hard to sort of see that. Sometimes you look around and you sort of go, oh, I'm so annoyed by this person. I wish this person was, was more this way or more that way. And the, what Paul is saying here is, don't, no, that's, 
the, the body of Christ is doing exactly what it's intended to do when we see different expressions of, you know, who God made people to be because we all were made by God and we, we reflect his beauty and his glory when we um, come together under the unity of our love for God. So, um, it's the people of God coming together to do the work of God. And, you know, work is, is, is defined broadly, um, not necessarily to work, but there are five things... And, you know, people, people can sort of divide these up a lot of different ways. But there are five things that the church is uh, here for. Like what, what the purpose of the church is. And a lot of people have said, kind of divided them up. And you can sort of, you could take some of these and go, well, and this, is, this version goes, this thing goes over here in, you know, different ways. But overall, by and large, there are five things that, um, that the church's purpose is and we're going to go through those five uh, tonight. Number one is worship. The first and most important thing we do as we gather together is to worship God. And when I say that, I don't just mean singing. And I know some of you are like, "Ah, eh, singing isn't my favorite thing." Some of you are like, "Oh, I love the singing. It's so great." So it's not just the singing, but the thing that sets apart church. And I would t- I would say to you, if if you um, you know, as you, if you go to our church, go to another church, whatever it is, the, the, the first and most important thing that a church can do, guys, hey, stop, yeah, put, 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 put the phone aside, please, thank you. The most important thing that the church does is we come together to worship God. We say, God is at the center. And I, I think that's, it's probably the first way that um, people get church wrong is that the church primarily becomes about something else before it becomes about God. If you do nothing else when you're at church or when you're gathered with other people, you have to have a part of that be where you allow yourself to worship God, specifically to allow God to be the center of what you're doing. Because what happens in our lives? What happens? We just an, ordin- just, just an ordinary life, our sort of where our focus is, if we don't pull it back, because we are all born selfish people, that worship tends to, we, we start to worship ourselves, we start to worship our relationships, we start to worship stuff, we start to worship status. All of, that's just a natural thing. And what, what we find is, if we allow ourselves to stop worshiping God, we are not satisfied. Whatever that stuff is that we try to fill, you know, that longing we have, it doesn't satisfy us. So we have to deliberately come into God's presence on a regular basis. And again, that could be as you sing, that could be as you are still and quiet, but worship of God has to be the most the number one thing. It doesn't mean that you have to do that more, right? It doesn't mean, it does, I'm not talking about like half an hour is better than 20 minutes and three hours of worship is better. I'm just saying that on a regular basis, the number one important thing that we can do is say, God, you're at the center of everything and not me. In essence, another word that I could use there for worship is surrender. Regularly, we have to just be putting ourselves in a spot of saying, I surrender, God. And, You know, as I'm saying that, one of the the reasons why you might see someone as they worship God, you might see someone put their hands out 
like that. You may not want to do that, and that's fine. But what that is, is your body saying, I'm going to surrender. I am going to physically show myself and just like, I'm not at the center, God. You are, and I surrender everything to you. So worship is number one. Number two is fellowship. So what happens here is we come together, we, we, we worship God through singing, we hear a talk, and then you guys all go to small groups. And the reason that we do that is because number two, and I would say I'm, two, three, four, and five are, are in no order necessarily. Worship for me is number one. And two, three, four, and five are all kind of, you know, you can decide if one's more important than the other. I don't think you can necessarily put them in order. But having community with other people who share your beliefs and some who don't, too. Like, we don't, you can be a part of Christian community without even believing the stuff that the Christians believe. And there are, I, I know people like this who say, hey, you know what, I don't believe that stuff, but I just, I love the people and I need to be there. And I've also seen people who sort of start out by saying, I'm not sure if I believe in what you believe, but I sure want to be a part of this community where you love each other the way you love each other. And then through that process, they, they say, okay, so tell me more about what you believe. So when they belong first and they experience that love, they a lot of times want to know more about who God is. And um, this is also a very normal thing that if we don't, if we're not deliberate about this, if we're not like, I am going to be there, I'm going to keep coming and being with people who have the same belief with me, the same thing will happen as we go on uh, the retreat this weekend. We're going to be having on Saturday night, we'll have our bonfire and we'll all be together and getting warm. And if, as these, you know, this fire is blazing and as one of the logs is there, if I were to pick it up, not with my hand, of course, because that would be foolish, but if I were to pick it up with something that did not burn my hand and I put it away from the rest of the fire, what's going to happen to that log? It's, the fire's going to go out. And if you are not deliberate about putting yourself in um, situations where you're around other people who are helping the, the, the fire in your heart stay warm, your fire will go out. We need each other. There is no such thing as a follower of Jesus who is never, ever around other people who are also following Jesus. When Jesus sent out his disciples, do you know how he sent them out? Did he send them out one by one? No, he did not. He sent them out two by two. He knew that they needed each other, even as they were going to do uh, that work. So, one is worship, two is fellowship. Three is what I will call spiritual maturity. You could call this um, discipleship. You could call this uh, growing deeper with, going deeper with God. But this is the component of being with, with, with others as we grow in our spiritual, spiritual maturity. So, reading the Bible together. Um, reading books, Christian books that, you know, help us to grow deeper and uh, meeting with, with maybe an accountability partner and, and say, hey, how can I pray for you? How can I support you? How can I, uh, you know, help you to, to be the person that God made you to be? Um, so there's, and there's a lot of different spiritual disciplines and, and many you can do on your own, but some that you, you, you do together. So growing in spiritual maturity is important for the church. Number four is serving. 
serving is, uh, we, we get our example from Jesus, who he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that he was our example. And Jesus, Jesus was God. He could have said, hey, I'm God. It's time for you to serve me. What did he do instead? On the night before he was betrayed, he washed his disciples' feet. Like this unbelievable moment that is sort of just doesn't even, doesn't even make sense. And when, they, when, when Peter uh, was about to have his feet washed, he said, no, Lord, you can't. He was like, this, this, this can't be. How can this happen? And Peter says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. Jesus says, you, and then, and then at the end of that time, he says, go and do likewise. Now that I've shown you what to do, go and do likewise. So we are called to serve people in every way that we can. That's serving um, inside the church. And many of you already do that. And I will just say that like on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night with Cove, like this church could not run without Shig students, which is awesome. Like I love that that's true. They, the church counts on high school students and, and some middle school students as well, but they count on you guys to serve in, in, in the middle school and in the uh, elementary school areas. So we can serve inside the church and we can serve outside the church. And I know some of you do that as well. There's serving opportunities, tutoring in North Chicago. There's, um, we, you know, we did Bernie's Book Bank this summer and um, lots of great opportunities in the area, and then we've got mission trips as well, and that's something that we can do once a year and serve as a group and do something, you know, really dramatic, but uh, this is just our, Jesus is our example, and he, he set us the example to go serve just like he was the servant, and then the last thing is sharing your faith, and sharing your faith is just telling others about who God is and what God has done with our words and with our deeds. And I know some of you are just, um, it's, it's scary for you to think about sharing your faith with other people. And for others of you, it's just natural. And what I would say is, um, it, it's just, if, if, if your faith is real, it will come out. Like, in the same way that if you hear a song that you love, you think about who you want to share it with. <laughs> think about if you see something online, right? You see a TikTok. You see, uh, you know, a, a YouTube clip. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to show this, right? The first thing you think of is, who can I share this with? Well, that just should be the same exact thing that happens in, uh, in, our, in our daily lives. As God is uh, transforming us, as God is, is working in our lives, it should just naturally overflow to those around us. It should not be something that is sort of like, oh, now I have to do this thing. No, it's just this natural thing that as God is at work, you are being open about that work um, to, to others. So those are the five. Worship, fellowship, spiritual maturity, serving, and sharing your faith. So the church isn't just some building that you go to. It's about the people of God doing significant work for God. And I want you to think about, as we, as we wrap up here, where are you kind of in all of these things? How important are these um, for you? 
Some of you feel way too much pressure to be like, okay, I have to do all these things. I don't want you to think, okay, I've got five more things I have to do now. That is not what the point of this is at all. I don't want you to think there's five more things that you have to add. Rather, I just want you to see that the church isn't just sort of like, oh yeah, I show up for church and I check the box and move on with my life. The church is, has so many purposes and um, when you see that, when you see what the church can be, Another way to, to, to talk about church is just family. And, um, you know, I, I had a, one of my former students um, surprised me like a, 10 days ago. I was here in a staff meeting, and someone said, hey, you come downstairs. And uh, I come, and so I'm saying, former student. I'm like, I, no one told me they were coming. So I go downstairs, and there's this young woman uh, named Rachel. And I hadn't, she had moved away, and I hadn't seen her in probably like, maybe like eight years, and she had gotten married, um, and her husband was there. So they were, and they live in the South, and so they were visiting, and she just wanted to surprise I'm like, you could have texted me. She's like, yeah, I want to surprise you. So it was just super fun, fun to see her, and I was asking her, and, and you, you know, it, students that, that go off and get married and leave and do whatever, you never know kind of where's their faith at. And I said, um, so what, you know, you guys going to a church? And she said, yeah, we are. And she kind of started to get choked up as she talked about it. And she said, I don't know where we would be without our church. And her, her father had passed away like, like two months ago. Her dad died suddenly. He had a heart condition and he, he died. And um, she was just like, I don't know where we'd be without our church. It's, it's, it's the center of our lives. Our small group is so amazing. We love our church so much. Well, it turns out that the church she goes to, the senior pastor of that church is best friends with a pastor at our church, Ben Dockery. And Ben had just been with that guy. And as I was sharing the story with Ben um, about how I talked to Rachel and we were sort of, you know, realizing that, that her pastor is best friends with him, I just kind of started talking about, and just to, to know that this young woman who, you know, I, I knew her when she was in high school, and then I left, and you never know what happens. And I, I started to choke up as I talked about how um, happy it made me to think about this young woman and her husband getting involved in this church, and, and the way she just gushed about how this church was the center of her life and how it was, um, she didn't know what she could do without it, uh, without it in her life. So um, sometimes you sort of have to hear somebody talk about something like this and go, oh, I've never really thought about it that way. But God's intention is for us to be connected in this beautiful, flawed, imperfect place called the church, um, and she gets to be, you know, one uh, piece of that, and as we wrap up here in, in prayer and go to your small groups, I hope that you will um, reflect on that, what are your thoughts on it, and how might you uh, get engaged more. Let's pray.